Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. As always, we will thank our sponsors that make the Nolcast possible. Title sponsor of the Nolcast, Tarpon Sellers Wine. That's Tarpon Sellers, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. You can go there, pick up one of the world's better Cabernets uh, and other supportive wines, whether it be last-minute gifts or just, hey, got a nice little year-end bonus and you want to drink two bottles of Cabernet and support Florida State football at the same time. Doesn't sound like a bad idea to me. TarponSellers.com, coupon code NOLCAST, 20% off. Thank you much for the support that you've given our podcast and the support that you've given them. All right, bud, just another uh, sleepy day in the college football world here as we uh, put the wraps on a regular season and uh, look back at what transpired for Florida State. We'll do a little bit more of a larger review of the season itself than what this show will be, but uh, obviously we'll acknowledge that uh, last Saturday brought an end to the regular season and uh, in all likelihood Florida State season, although it wouldn't shock me to see them get some kind of uh, out-of-left-field invitation somewhere. But uh, a lot of different things for us to try to cover on this early Tuesday morning. Yeah, man. I'm uh, I'm, I'm excited to do this with you again. And uh, what, where, where do you want to start? I, 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 I thought, like, this would be about a 40- or 45-minute show I want to do a, a breakdown more on the transfer portal show uh, and make that a, a full length one, like we've been teasing for a while now. Um, a couple of things I want to hit today are some of the coaching carousel stuff, how it impacts the Knowles, and I want to hit uh, some recruiting things because that is going right now uh, pretty hot and heavy. But you know, your, your thoughts on the Florida game? FSU did finish five and seven, which thinking back now, is that what we predicted? Yeah, I think you had, when we did our wins, you had 5.45, and I might have had 4.65 or something like that. Or maybe you had five, four point, or 5.6, and I had 5.8 or something. It was, it was small. It's a strange season in which you achieved what is probably the most predictable result and perhaps the most unpredictable method of getting there. Uh, just bizarre. And uh, we can talk more about it at the time. Real quickly on the UF game, I agreed with a lot of what you said on the instant overall. Um, I thought your chance to kind of win ugly went away the second that uh, that Wilson dropped that punt, really. Uh, I'm not trying to make one play monumental, but you know, you've been the beneficiary of some, some friendly quarterback play uh, from the other side, and uh, if you were going to win a game that uh, you know the analytics suggested you shouldn't, uh, you can't get a stop like that, have a chance to to go and, and really start to turn the pressure on Florida a little bit and then you know, have the, the reoccurring issue uh, that has existed all year and for the first time really, really came up to, you know, to bite you in, in whatever it is, the area that you least want to be bitten in. Uh, so uh, that or, and I said this to the group of friends that I was watching, while you had Emory Jones out there, you probably needed to try to score a defensive touchdown uh, if you were going to have a real legitimate chance to win this game. So... Uh, disappointing ending. Florida still, you know, far and away the better roster, and uh, those guys showed up, played hard, and ended up winning the final game. On that, uh, on that point, uh, I forgot who tweeted this at us, but they said, "How many guys for FSU would start for Florida's offense?" And I quote tweeted it and said, "Um," <laughs> and I talked to two different coaches on this staff. And they laughed at my answer, but not in like a, Hey, you're wrong way. They just mm-hmm. said your answer 
shows us why, why, why we need to go hit the recruiting trail and the portal and how much work we have left to be done here. The one coach told me he thought Jordan Travis could if healthy. The other one said maybe Robert Scott. Hmm. Okay. So they don't think it's zero, but they're kind of both saying maybe one guy. Telling in and of itself, certainly. Yeah. You have some guys who would start for UF's defense, for sure. Yeah. Those guys will probably not be on the team next year. Um, no. Yeah, looking uh, uh, looking at, at, at that, that, that punt, Ingram, uh, it changed your uh, win probability uh, by 10%, which is a, mm-hmm. a pretty damn big swing for uh, for one non-scoring play. So it, it, it's, yeah, that, that is a that was a huge play in that ball game, and I agree with you. It's frustrating because you you're not the better team when Florida wants to come play. We had uncertainty coming into the game because we didn't know how good this Florida team really was. We'd seen we'd seen them at their best. We'd seen them at their worst, but also I wasn't quite sure how much of that was the flu stuff against South Carolina. We certainly know all about the flu stuff here in Tallahassee after the NC State game. Uh, but I I don't even think that was Florida's best game. You, you just have a lot of roster work to do. This is a long-term rebuild. Uh, every situation is different. But I think we have correctly diagnosed this roster, man. It's going to take a little while for this thing to to get back in place you have a 2020 recruiting class that mike signed that like basically every other new coach out there sucks they're going to have massive attrition from that class a lot more whiffs than hits no surprise jimbo had the same thing at a&m mullen had the same thing at florida that's one of the reasons he got fired (laughs) you know because they don't have juniors on that team or third year guys in that team they can count on we're seeing this all over the country i just did colorado's roster for a piece i'm working on 11 of their 26 guys are still on the roster by year three. So anyway, uh, and then you have a a 2021 class that I actually think they did better than, uh, than I thought they were going to do based on early returns because they didn't get to meet a lot of these kids in person, Uh, or if they did not more than once and certainly did not get a chance to work them out in person. I mean, it, it was, Hey, see you for a couple hours at a junior day. And then the world shuts down due to COVID. They are doing pretty well on the recruiting trail right now. Uh, I was playing with some class calculator stuff last night. They have an outside shot at a top five class. Wow. I don't think it's going to happen. They have a really decent shot at a top 10 class. That's pretty crazy, man. That would be fantastic. That would be, uh, that would be a first big step as far as, uh, putting yourself back in kind of the, uh, the neighborhood that this fan base wants you to live and, um, you know, wants to see some of that progression. And obviously you've maintained the class, you've kept it together. Uh, now you got to go out and try to grab one or two finishing pieces here. And obviously there's some pretty high profile people out there that will continue to profile, but, but I have some good news for you. I wish you got, you'll be able to study these transition classes all the more, my man, uh, your, your, uh, your pool of data is but only seemingly growing by, uh, by you know, one or two examples every day here as we sit here and live through a, uh, you know, a period of time in college football that I know it feels like <clears throat> we, there's crazy days all the time, but uh, certainly the past five days or so, the last 24 hours in particular, has, uh, has felt like some pretty wild times for, for college football. And I, um, you know, I'm a 
Sopranos a holic. Uh, I have watched the show a number of times, the which of which I'm hesitant to even admit, uh, but I love it. I love it uh, deeply and uh, think that it's very layered and nuanced and I appreciate it. But the overall theme of the show is basically the idea that you're, you know, living in the end days of something and you're kind of cognizant of it. That, hey, spoiler uh, alert. Yes. <laughs> yeah. For those of you that aren't familiar, a uh, rather definitive ending to this show that you can debate about, but I think it's fairly clear. Um, and whether that be for one individual's life or Lacosinosis interest in the, or influence on the Northeast, whatever it may be. I'm not saying that college football is going to go away. In fact, probably quite the opposite. Uh, but it does feel to me as though we've entered into some kind of uh, accelerated cycle here that will, you know, leave this game forever changed to an extent and will probably drastically shrink the pool at which people are able to play at the highest level kind of wholeheartedly uh, and, and know that their team has a, has a real legitimate chance to compete in the modern landscape. 100%, man. Um, so I want to talk about a, a little bit about, about this stuff. I, the money will continue to be there for these huge coaching salaries as long as the players aren't paid. It's a great business model if you can get away with it, right? There's there's another aspect to that, and I, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, but just as our um, – if there's some kind of tax reform and a lot of this stuff isn't tax deductible, buyouts in particular aren't a tax write-off for some Matt of your Brown has written about boosters, this a lot at extra points. That could change – that could change – this could change the contractual structure significantly. I'm not saying that you won't have, uh, you know, waterfalls and three-story uh, playgrounds built for kids and stuff like that, but uh, that would change what is now seemingly the norm. Just, you know, 10 years, $75 million looks like a everyday run-of-the-mill contract at this point. Uh, but that's that's one other aspect that could change this pretty pretty dramatically. 100%. It, I... I... Luckily for FSU, I, I think that they are – they're just sitting quietly right now in a rebuild phase. I do think they have the right guy um, based on the job that they've done overall. I think they're going to have, for the most part, coaching stability. I would expect probably a couple changes on the coaching staff. Um, not a ton, like one or two, you know, just – whether that's, hey, we want to make a move, or maybe that's somebody who want, who wants to go elsewhere, we'll see. Uh, but I, I don't think you're going to have you know 100% coach continuity from year to year. I do think this staff, for the most part, knows what it's doing. And you just don't have a whole lot of craziness right now around the program. Uh, but you do have a really interesting set of circumstances that that really could could let you thread the needle on on this on this recruiting class, man. And part of this is due to some of these coaching changes. You know, I I believe that it it's basically Bama and FSU for Marvin Jones Jr. We said a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not buying the Oklahoma stuff quite as much. Obviously, I I saw the tweet from from Marvin Jones Jr.'s mom. Uh, if you really believe he was going to Oklahoma, I still don't, by the way. Uh, but I, I, I do believe that, you know, she probably felt betrayed uh, by by what Lincoln Riley did. Another guy to, to discuss there is Javante Barnes, 
Las Vegas running back. FSU brought him in. He said, look, at this point, not much of a chance. Oklahoma's in a really good spot there. FSU made a good impression on him. We know that they really think very highly of him. Like he's a, uh, he's like a Mike Norvell type, type guy as far as somebody who they want to bring into the program, you know, the the type of kids they want to get in here and and you know, character, good player. You know, is he a top fifty type you know type guy in the country? No, but but he he's solidly within the, you know, the top two four seven uh, for us here at twenty four seven sports. They've got a shot now that Lincoln Riley's gone. Now, it's not to say that he couldn't all of a sudden turn around and go to USC. It's certainly possible. I mean, Lincoln Riley to USC is going to change some things about this sport, I think. Because to me, that tells me that USC is all in Mm -hmm. as far as paying. They already paid Clay Hilton a ton of money, unjustifiably so. They finally have a real AD, you know, which is important. Because before that, you had... Uh, Pat Hayden and Lynn Swan, which was a joke and then an unbelievable joke. Uh, Insert the anchorman line here. I I thought this was a joke. But they're probably also now paying their off-field people enough to where, like, if you're USC, you have to pay your graphics guy like 100 or 110 so that he can afford to live within driving distance of campus, not having to live, you know, way out there. And have to drive two hours into work every day uh, because of, of housing costs and taxes and cost of living out there in L.A. I don't think Riley takes that job if uh, if USC is not willing to pay a boatload of money for all the staff. That's a benefit of being in Tallahassee, by the way. Like my, Miami struggles with this as well. Go go make sixty in Miami. Mm-hmm. Tell me how close you're, li- you're you're living to the Gables. You know. Go make sixty in Tallahassee. You can you can live a lot of places that that, that are that are fine. Um, so that is a a something that I, I'm monitoring. Here's something else for you. Miami has not fired. So Javante Barnes is is a relevant target for them. You might say, "What? Why do you bring in this kid? You're not going to get him." Don't know what's going to happen. You got those official visit spots. Mm-hmm. You're not going to bring in kids that you you wouldn't take like at all it's okay it's okay to take a couple you know a couple kids bring them in on official visits even if you don't think you're going to get them right because things can happen and you and you also want to maintain those relationships now for the transfer portal Keontae Goodwin FSU's not going to get him Norvell and Atkins went and saw him last night you know what okay what happens if he signs at Kentucky or Bama and something goes down with one of those coaches. What if Nick Saban's last year is next year? Which I think it might be. What Does he decide to transfer if, if, if Nick hangs him up? Or if Mark Stoops gets the Oklahoma job or something like that? It's okay to have a couple reach targets. As long as you identify them on your board as reach targets. And don't pull the Willie Tiger no. Evan Neal stuff. Pillars of the class. You right. know? Like, yep. I, okay, if, if, if Atkins and Norvell want to go hit, you know, go hit Delta Diamond this year. Awesome. End of the year, do a little mileage run to, to, to Kentucky. Cool. So, but Lincoln Riley on the West Coast is sort of like, hey, party's over, Oregon. Now, you're still going to get some good players. But when USC is right, they have right of first refusal on basically every kid west of the Rocky Mountains. 
Cristobal has kind of had it on easy mode there for quite mm-hmm. a while at Oregon and has done well with it. Willie did too. Got to tell you, if he's serious about like, hey, the heartstrings and going back to Miami, this would probably be the time. Miami has not fired Manny Diaz yet. Cristobal has a conference championship game to play. This or Is it Friday night? I think it's a Friday night one, right? Yeah. Which is pretty cool that, that they, they finally moved that game to Vegas. Let's see if a Saints decides on Saturday. Is he really going to pick a school that has not affirmed that Manny Diaz is going to be its coach going forward? They just lost Rhett Lashley to, to become the coach at SMU. I expect some of Miami's staffers to follow Lashley to SMU. Would Cristobal really take the Miami job? I guess we're going to find out. Because this is probably, if not this year, maybe next year, but things are about to get harder there. So there are, despite the fact that almost none of these schools making changes are schools that you play on a regular basis, although there's one, I'll get to it in a second. Uh, There are recruiting implications here for you, for sure. I think a Billy Napier hire at Florida makes a lot of sense. It's not a guarantee that it will work out. Uh, the only he, guarantee with Billy Napier is that you're going to get somebody that understands, appreciates, and fully invests in recruiting. I mean, yep. you're going to have somebody in that job who understands the importance of it, will attack it aggressively, and, you know, in that regard, I think Florida did a good job. Uh, I asked a guy on FSU staff. profile that some of these other names are. but uh, I was like, he, hey, who do you not want to see at Florida? Not if they've made the hire, I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Cristobal Lane Kiffin. Florida was not going to hire Lane Kiffin, obviously, with, with the Joey Freshwater stuff. It was just not 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 an option, given like they've had drama with the last two coaches. Different types of drama, but, you know, well, shoot, last three, if you go back to the, the, the final years, right, of, uh, hell, last four. Um, especially if you go back to Urban. So, and then Cristobal, obviously, because of, of the recruiting operation, now, Napier brings a similar style of recruiting operation in theory, but he is not the type of name that is going to immediately jumpstart that recruiting class, right? I think he will have an aggressive recruiting philosophy. He's going to try to bring that Saban blueprint there. It's not a guarantee it works. They've had two guys try to bring the Saban blueprint to them before uh, in Muschamp and McElwain. Uh, I think Napier's probably a pretty good hire, to be honest. It's not super sexy. We'll see if it works out. Is, is it as slam dunky as what LSU did or as USC did? No, it's not. Uh, could Florida have done better? Probably. But they could have also probably done worse. Like FSU will have a fight on its hands for some kids going forward, for sure. Uh, he'll recruit better than Mullen did. We will see if he coaches better than Mullen did. I don't know. Um, Louisiana played a lot of close games. If you say they recruit as well as I'm going to say they do, and I think they do, by Sunbelt standards, I think you need to have more blowouts. But we'll see. He has won his division basically every year that he's been there. G5 G five success does not always translate to the P5. Um, and FSU is doing a nice job recruiting right now. So, um, don't know. There's, there's no guarantees in how that works out. I am very interested in how the Miami thing works out. Because if you keep Manny Diaz, um, I think FSU has a nice chance to do very well in Dade County. Florida does not recruit Dade County very well. They recruit you know, Palm Beach Broward pretty well, but traditionally they, they have not gotten into Dade and uh, done well there. And Diaz 
could very well be like, you know, lame duck coach for an entire year if they decide to keep him. We will see. Haven't they informed him that they've made a decision or something like that? I mean, it's... Uh, I've not it, seen that. Is that... Uh... I, uh, yeah, I, I'm, no reason for us to speculate on that. I, I believe that I saw a quote like that yesterday that he said that, uh, that they've made some kind of decision and waiting for it to play out. But, um, well, from the perspective... Then that of... tells me they're waiting on Mario's answer. Or maybe Mario's already told him or something like that. You know? Yeah. Uh, to me, it read more like a coach who knows that he's going to have one more game to coach. But uh, it would only be ever so appropriate for a school to tell a coach like that and then have him stay on after they uh, <clears throat> hired him from Temple in the, in the way and the manner that they did. Uh, so people on Florida State staff, you made a reference to this to a second ago. Marcus Woodson, Coach Yak. Anybody that kind of uh, immediately pops up on your radar that would be an attractive candidate for some of these newly formed coaching staffs that are soon to be putting the position coaches and oh, some, oh, some of the recruiting from, from that uh, targets together? Uh, l- let me just say, if they have coaching changes, uh, I do not think it would be guys who are your good recruiters on the staff or your better recruiters on the staff. So, like, no, I, I, I don't believe Woodson is going to go anywhere. Um, personally, no. I, I, I think FSU would would easily pay up uh, to keep him, and the defensive backs like him quite a bit. So. You don't think <clears throat> Coach Johnson would be a target for Brian Kelly? I think it depends on who they decide to keep. Uh, early reports on Twitter are that uh, he intends to keep Kevin Falk. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I, I think Brian Kelly's a good hire, by the way. I mean, it, it could easily blow up, but it's pretty clear. Like he's like, man, I'm tired of, of having to not get some of these kids because I can't get them into school or can't keep them in school. We, we made uh, I don't want to say waves. That's too strong, but we certainly caught some people's attention a couple of years ago when we suggested that Brian Kelly didn't exactly tell Florida State to, you know, kick rocks uh, during an inquiry there that they made. That, that was not. The response of a man that was going to forever be at an institution uh, is some of the feedback that we got anyway. I mean, I, I think that uh, he is aware that there, <clears throat> there aren't necessarily 22 Kyle Hamiltons out there. I'll put it that way. You know, you, you have to recruit a certain kid at Notre Dame um, where maybe you don't to uh, other schools and not just recruit him but keep him. Uh, a little bit of a different process at, at some of these larger uh, southern schools. I would, I would suggest anyway. One hundred percent. You want to run through some? Well, let me ask you this: we, we we have we have about twenty minutes left. Do you want to go overall season grade, or do you want to do a little more recruiting talk? Let's stick with recruiting. Then we'll have a little bit more of a comprehensive, uh, you know, season review show. Okay, is what I should and. Uh, we should never get too far into a show without talking about a team that we will uh, forever plan on keeping around, and and one that is only but brought volume or volume, <laughs> uh, volume value, all sorts of things to the Noel cast. Yeah, man, legendary t- the legendary team, just a, an amazing partner for us. Eight four four FSU loan. It's eight four four FSU loan. The best loan guys in the business for my money. I've used them twice. Just about two hundred fifty Noelcast listeners have as well over our three-year partnership, and they just keep rolling in. It's customer service. It's great rates, knowledge of the market, 
experience. And of course, when you give him a call, hit up Shannon and you get a little null talk as well. 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. Transfer portal-wise and recruiting-wise, I want to caution you guys not to fall in love with every transfer portal kid who gets brought up. You mean it's not going to be the Jameer Gibbs uh, Corbin show next year? I mean, I'm sure I'm sure they would love to have Jameer Gibbs. I think Jameer Gibbs may be going to Alabama. Um, like, yeah. Remember this: you would not have gotten Jermaine Johnson if Georgia knew that Jermaine Johnson was that good. FSU did not know Jermaine Johnson was that good, right? If the whole market knew how good Jermaine Johnson was, you wouldn't have sniffed him. You were a three-win team last year. You're a five-win team this year. You got very lucky there, and you were smart. Both things had to happen. These guys who were like super mega studs, you probably won't get unless you have some rare connection to them. You did recruit Gibbs pretty hard. Um, He's had a really nice career at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is awful. I think he wants to go somewhere that can showcase his talents a little bit better. The other thing, <clears throat> the other thing to keep in mind here, right, is that we all have sources and they all get really excited about kids who they have some kind of connection to. That doesn't mean the rest of the staff is as excited about that kid, right? So just because, like, oh yeah, FSU's pursuing this kid really hard, are they, or is it one guy who has a connection to the kid on staff, who a media member happens to know? who loves the kid and knows that if she does sign him, he's going to get the credit in the staff meeting room. This is not to say that's that's a bad thing. This happens at every staff everywhere. I just want to like, let you guys inside the room. One of Mike Norvell's duties as a head coach, and all head coaches are this, or ha- have this duty, is to balance some of these factors, right? You know, maybe, maybe one guy or, or coach or analyst loves the dude. You still need to send a position coach or, or two out there to go talk to the guy. And hopefully you have some connections on that former staff and say, wait a second, is this kid a good kid? Why is he why is he transferring? Physically okay, production terrible. What what are we looking at here? What why is this asset an undervalued asset that that we think we can bring to our program and get something more out of him? Are we confident he's going to be good in our culture? I'm just saying there's a lot more that's going to unfold with this transfer portal thing. They might not decide to take any of the transfer portal kids that they are currently in talks with right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know that Pittman's a take. I don't know that Moore's a take at that <clears throat> receiver. I'm pretty confident they're going to take a receiver this year. And we'll talk about this more in our transfer portal show. I'm just saying, like, um, you know, so I, I bring this up because um, Kessna, what, like, I think one of our brightest listeners we have, sends in really, really awesome questions. He hit me up on Twitter. He's like, hey, like, like, why, why are we missing out on, on these two offensive linemen who committed to Georgia Tech? It's like, J- just because you've seen them mentioned by a media member or on a message board, it doesn't actually mean FSU wants these guys. You know, uh, they they're still very much figuring out. Okay, who is absolutely a take? Who is sort of an investigate? And who is a uh, if he's still there, maybe type thing, right? That's just something you guys you got to be thinking about. Not going to be um, 
wanting for options during this transfer portal cycle. I'll, I'll say that much. I mean, this is going to be a, uh, a level of volume as far as the number of kids that enter this cycle for various reasons, most notably uh, a COVID year that you didn't really get a chance to meet many of the staffs that you signed exactly. with long since predicted by yourself and others. So that's the other thing is, is do you take a, a portal kid who is not an immediate contributor because maybe you loved him as a recruit, but never got him on campus. Decisions are going to have to be weighed out. Yeah. I mean, I would say you could do that in a situation or two. Obviously that's not the the plan that you want to have, but if you're super familiar with a kid and, and like what his long-term trajectory looks like, then yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know that that's going to be, Something that you might see more than once or twice uh, in yeah. in play around here, anyways. A lot of those there's a lot of spots are going to be dedicated man. to the line of scrimmage, and those are going to be line of scrimmage spots that you need immediate production from. Yeah, one hundred percent. There there is a lot of craziness still to come in this cycle. Uh, other other recruiting things that I'm monitoring related to coaching changes before we jump off here. I think Kendrick Law is still in play depending on what happens with LSU. Like, is LSU going to keep Corey Raymond? I've seen some early chatter of that on Twitter. Uh, but like, FSU's done a good job there. If Bama ends up not having room, and I'm, look, maybe Bama has room for everybody. Maybe they have room for Kendrick Law and Elias Ricks, the the, the DB transfer from LSU, and, and, and Earl Little, and um, everybody, everybody, everybody. Okay. Uh, but... Maybe they don't. We have talked about for 13, 14 months. Ever since it became apparent that the COVID thing, we were not going to get uh, you know, roster relief against that, and people were going to have to make some, some tougher decisions. We, we, just, we said, look, FSU has to do a good job of targeting guys who are more Auburn, Tennessee, you know, that, those type of battles, not trying to go head up with Bama and Georgia for kids because you're not going to be very good on the field this year. You're not going to have a record that is going to be able to compete with those guys head-to-head for the most part. And I think they've done a pretty good job of that. We are still talking about some of these kids. Hey, they're a take for Bama right now. Will they be a take down the stretch? There's a lot of kids. Go Go down this roster. They did a pretty good job of targeting guys who are probably good enough to play at like a Bama, Georgia in many cases, but who screwed around, waited a little too long to commit, didn't have a spot. That's exactly what you need to do. And I, I don't think they're done. I, I think, I mean, if you think about this, staff still feels decent about Nigel Lee Kelly. We'll see what happens with Kevin Coleman. Uh, Joe Moorhead, did he actually take the Akron job, or has he just kind of emerged as the uh, as the top candidate? I, I was a little bit busy yesterday as far as not monitoring the Akron. Uh, I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to lean on you for my Akron, uh, Akron coaching information. All right, so uh, Pete Thamel reported that he emerged as the leading candidate. D- does that matter for Kevin Coleman in Oregon? It could. We'll see. I know they're, they're going to see Kevin Coleman, I believe, uh, end of next week. Right, what happens with Manny Diaz and and the Miami job? That will have an impact on on Nigel Lee Kelly as well. 
he went and spent a, a week out there in Oregon on his own dime. FSU still feels good there. Uh, they're going to be in it with Marvin Jones. The path to a, to a top 10 class is not impossible. And in fact, the path to a top five class, you'd have to go almost perfect target for target down the stretch, which is unlikely, obviously, as we've discussed. You don't win all the games you're favored in. You certainly don't pull all the upsets you could pull. It's still like not out of the realm of possibility. They currently sit at number 12 in the country right now. That's uh, that's a fairly impressive job that, that, that they're doing this year. Also, uh, do we want to talk about the uh, um, the SAP situation? That, that getting shut down with the quickness? Yeah, yeah, that's that's worth mentioning. Um, Quayshon Snap, SAP, Lee County prospect, offensive line, long since committed, uh, was going to take a trip to Florida, um, a trip that is no longer occurring and looks to be a uh, a man that's fully aware and. Uh, uh, just aware that he'll be participating in the early signing day period and shutting the process down and signing for Florida State. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's good enough to be playing recruiting games. Right? Personally. I think he's a solid developmental player and not somebody who has the leverage to go and take a bunch of recruiting visits. I will say these Lee County kids... They love their recruiting, man. Good God. <laughs> so, and, and you know what? Nothing, nothing against it. You, you, you act what your leverage dictates. You act how your leverage dictates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're a rock star, you can go take some visits. If you ain't, don't. All right. Uh, let me see other recruiting stuff. Florida State visiting Travis mm-hmm. Hunter today. Always uh, good to see there. Um. What yeah, they were going to go see. I I know they were going to go see Hunter, um, uh, after they saw. Who's that? They saw Goodwin. Uh, Norvell is on that trip, I believe. So that that'll that'll be big. Uh, they're going to have an in home with the Saint later uh, this week. They will, I believe, have the last in home before he decides on Saturday. Is he really going to commit to Miami? Is he really going to commit to Florida? I don't think so. I'd be pretty surprised. I mean, it, Miami recruiting is crazy at, t- at times, but we'll uh, we'll see. See what else here could impact some things. Offensive line, high school wise, I think they're pretty much done, with the exception of Armella, unless you are a Goodwin believer, which I'm not. Uh, I don't think they're really going to be reaching for a whole lot of targets. The the one thing that they continue to evaluate, I do know is junior college defensive backs. I would be surprised if they signed Jerron Willis at linebacker. I'm trying to just kind of empty the notebook here. But I I, I think this staff feels good, man, about, about a lot of these guys. We, we will see. We'll see how good this staff is at evaluating where, where its position is with guys. I definitely think it's better than what Willie's staff did. You know, they, they, they pretty clearly were, were wrong on a lot of those guys. Um, I'm going to save some of the will this guy be on the roster stuff for the uh, for the portal show that we plan to do later this week. Because um, I've got a lot about that. Yeah. Uh, one group that we're uh, ever fortunate and, and eager to uh, tell you guys about our partnership that we have or with the good people at Congruity. 
uh, congruity is experiencing your business optimized, whether it be highly customized HR solutions designed to enhance your brand, save time, save money, or reduce risk. Uh, we would encourage you to spend 10 minutes with Matt uh, Lewis. Five of us can be talking about the Knowles. Five of us can be exploring whether or not congruity would be a good fit uh, for your business, whether it be payroll, HR, uh, congruity is <clears throat> a great fit for us, and we suggest it would probably be for you as well. Uh, 844-247-4100 is the phone number, 844-247-4100, or Knowles at congruityhr.com. You realize FSU will play Brian Kelly three times in three years now? That's wild. That's wild. How long till somebody gets paid $20 million a year? Okay, so this is something that I brought up on Cover 3 before. Because I said 15 like three days ago for next Christmas, and that number looks like it may already be dated uh, for this Christmas. So the, I guess we're just going to roll on up to 20. The top coaches in the sport are way underpaid. I know people are going to balk at this, but just hear me out. If you really think some of these coaches who are like not top five coaches deserve what they're getting, okay, which is, you know, seven, eight, in some cases, nine million, or a lot of guys even getting five or six. It's really hard for me to believe that the best coaches in the sport should only be making double of that, right? Like, try telling me that, and and I like Mike Norvell, right? Or pick somebody making six. Or what? what is Florida paying Napier? Seven? Seven. All right. Try telling me that Nick Saban should not be making double Billy Napier or triple Billy Napier. The issue is people like there is an element of public shame when you're a state employee, even though the state money is not being used to pay for this stuff. There is kind of that, you know, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered type thing. There is a market suppression happening at the very top of the sport with the coaching salaries because it just looks bad if you're not paying your labor on the one hand and you're paying your managers all the money. But like, there's definitely a reason why you were seeing a lot less coaching change for a while because these dudes can be happy at a job and they can be patient and wait. I mean, Hugh Freeze is paying or is getting paid four or five million at Liberty. 20 years ago, that didn't happen because you would just say, guess what? We're going to quad you up. We're, we're, we're going to give you 5X of what you're making at mid-level power five or G5 school. And it was like, you know what? There's no, it's a no-brainer. I'm going to leave. Right Now, because of the money is so big, you're not – if you want to quad somebody up now, you got to pay them 15 or 20. Mm-hmm. And there's a public shame element to that and sort of an absurdity element to that where they're clearly worth it. I mean, Nick Saban is probably worth like 30 or 40 a year. Think about it. What he brings to that program. Sorry, what he brings to the university. Right. Easily. And like they, they could afford to pay him that and still make a make a big time profit. You know, because they don't have to pay their players. It. This actually helps FSU, by the way. FSU's paying, what, nine point something right now for a head coach or for head coaching when you factor in the Willie deal? I think they're top 10 in coaching salary overall for the mm-hmm. staff. 
when when you when you factor in the buyouts that, that are being paid, you know that's that's competitive. Um, how many more years do they have on, on Willie? Two. Believe so, maybe three. But yeah, okay. I'll I'll ask. So, I don't know. Is that? It seems absurd, but like think about the point about the differences. Why should Nick Saban be making less than double of what Billy Napier is making? Yeah, um, it is interesting. It, it will be. Um, <laughs> I don't. From a floor shape perspective, I don't. You don't ever have to lead the coaching salary world. Um, I do think that there is some appeal to where you are in the structure that, hey, you can come here, play at uh, at damn near the highest level and not have to face Jimbo, Saban, Brian Kelly, uh, and everybody else who just happens to be in the SEC West. Um, and that, hey, if your goal is to get that, you know, $18 million salary or whatever it is that we're paying people two years from now, uh, that Florida State's not a place to spend four or five years and, and get there. Uh, I do think that of all the uh, questionable, uh, I don't know, just the narrative that exists around Florida State, the the one that's the, the most out of line, and, and as you rightfully point out, is that Florida State doesn't pay its coaches or isn't competitive uh, from a coaching salary perspective. Uh, that part, false. Some of the other things that kind of, gets lumped in with Florida State may have a little bit more truth to it when it comes to some of the financial support and endowment of scholarships, blah, blah, blah. But I do think that Florida State will forever be in a place to be competitive on the scene. They're, they're, I don't see Florida State setting the market absent, you know, some listener of our show selling his tech company for hundreds of billions of dollars or something like that. But uh, for the time being, I think the compensation of the coaching staff Florida State will be competitive with uh, it will be curious to see what some of the extrapolations come from this and when we start playing defense coordinators $3 million a year and, and things like that. Uh, if you're going to pay a head coach 12 then you know, we all need to get ready for a world in which coordinators get paid two or three, not one. Uh, and I guess to an extent that's already there, but uh, we'll become a lot, more, a lot more familiar and a lot more common. I, I totally agree, man. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. How competitive FSU fans want to be. Uh, that is part of Mike Alford's job right now as head of the boosters. And uh, Funny um, that you say that, bud, because I don't think, uh, you know, Florida State's in a place where Mike Norvell is going to go anywhere, but have him have a little bit of success next year, and we would be in a place to where that would be, which makes it all the more important that when you get in a place like Notre Dame found itself yesterday or Oklahoma or other programs – that Florida State gets its athletic director situation resolved. I mean, this is stupid. This has lingered for too long. Uh, and Florida State needs to get that sorted out, hopefully, sooner than possible. Whether it's Alfred, yeah. whether it's anybody else, this institution has to have a real athletic director, and it needs to happen sooner than later. But so. when that happens, you, you need to clean house on a couple of positions in, inside the program. Mm-hmm. Like... This is across a couple staffs that feel like some of these dudes who are in these long-time positions are not FSU quality. So, now look, some of that's just frustration with working some of them, obviously, but, like, you need to bring in your own people. Some of these lifers are lifers for a reason. <laughs> and not a good reason. one. Absolutely.
All right. That's pretty much what I have for today. Next time, well, we have two shows we, we, we need to need to crank out. The full final season review, where we kind of go over season season preview predictions and, and grade ourselves uh, and hold ourselves accountable. And then the portal show. We'll incorporate the snap, uh, snap draft review into that uh, preview yep. show that you referenced as well there. And then we'll do a full portal preview. So uh, for everybody that makes an old cast possible, certainly uh, thank them. Uh, thank you, the listener, if you get a chance to give us a five-star on uh, Apple Podcast or wherever you may find us. Uh, subscribe, like, hit the bell on YouTube, all the things that we ask of you. Uh, thank you so much for the support that you have given our humble show over the last decade, and uh, we look forward to jumping headfirst into the off-season slash recruiting phase of the calendar. Because uh, we'll talk about recruiting when recruiting season's here, bud. And that how that works. Uh, thank you, Dan. <laughs> All right, y'all. Talk to you soon. Enjoyed it as always. Thank you.